0: Okay, how's everyone doing this morning? Uh, is everyone trying to stay cool with this heat? I know it's been a long week and it's hot, but I hope it gets better inside. Um, I'm sweating right now, not because I'm nervous, but it's just really hot and the lights are just um, hitting me. But anyway, today I just wanted to share with you what God, ha- what God has been impressing upon my heart. And it's a good. Priv- um, I'm thankful for the privilege that my mentors, Pastor Song and my dad, have given me this opportunity to actually, you know, um, bless you what God has blessed me with. And today, since we are on the topic of knowing God, how many of you guys, I mean, going back we know all the topics about knowing God. The first one is the, the God of the how much more. All the topics that we have is about expressing who God is, expressing who God is and who He is and what He will be. Because God is never changing. He is always there. He is never, ever going to leave us. So today, since, since you guys know who he is, you know, um, so do we really know when we say who God is? Or are we only scratching the surface of who God is? See, the way I think about it is when, when I think about God, I feel like I'm only scratching maybe 2 to 3% of who I know of of who he really is. The reason why is because we don't know who he is. The reason why is because in one of the verses in Isaiah 55, 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. For my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. When he says that, the only thing we encounter with God is what we see in him. From our earthly things, like let's say from our friends, the qualities that we see, the habits that we see, we impart on that idea and we bring it to who God is. But that's only barely what we see, barely what we know. And here I'm trying to sift through all this knowledge and say, who is God? What is He really like? You know. And growing up, I I've always known, you know, Bible stories, Sunday school, coloring books, and everything that God is a mighty God. He is all-knowing. He is perfect. He is all-powerful, and everything. You know. But let me tell you. What my topic today is it's something different you know we all know what god is but really do we know all of it and today i want to talk to you about one side of him that we usually don't see and that is god has a weakness what what are you doing <laughs> what are you talking about what are, no what are you doing
1: what what are you talking about God as a witness? Can can can, can you come
0: here for a while? I can, it's going to feedback. Let's talk. Let's talk for a while. No, no, let me let me finish. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's, God as a witness. See, on. this is my dad. This is how he is. Um, you know, I want to let me just finish, okay? So okay. today I just want give, give me my okay, 15 okay. minutes, you know. Uh, <laughs> let me share to you in lamentations okay you know if we let's all read this even you should read this but this I call to mind therefore I have hope the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases his mercy never comes to an end they are new every morning great is thy faithfulness the Lord is my portion says my soul therefore I will hope in him can I
1: okay God as a witness God as a witness oh yeah that's what you meant huh yes that's what I meant God as a witness but you know what folks it's not what you think Uh, there's this story about a wife who suffered a stroke and he was in a coma and they were in the hospital and beside in the hospital bed is the husband stroking her, caring for her, and praying for her. And then all of a sudden, you know, she regains consciousness. And when she regained consciousness, with tears in her eyes, she said to her husband, honey, you know, I remember when I had a miscarriage on our first baby in the hospital. You were there. And you know, honey, I also remember when I got into trouble with my job and I eventually got fired, you were there. And honey, I remember when the bank, you know, foreclosed our property and we eventually lost our house. You were there. And now, as I wake up from this coma, you are here. You know, honey, you're bad luck. (laughs) Folks, it's not what you think, right? It's not what you think about God having a weakness. I'll have Dion explain that.
0: Thank you for that explanation. Okay, so let's continue. So now that we know, let's go back, God has a weakness. That doesn't seem right, is it? When you talk about it, God doesn't really when you say that God is perfect, God is all-knowing. The word weakness doesn't really go into that set of words, you know. Let's go to Psalm 84 and what it says, you know, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him. See this verse says a lot about God. How much he cares, how much he's so concerned about you that he is just obsessed about you. And when you think about it, all the things that he created in this world, who is, what is, or who is his masterpiece? It's us. So how can a God who is perfect, who is all-knowing, who is so powerful, be obsessed with a person like us, imperfect, inconsistent, sinners, and... We're just all over the place, but it says here, "What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him?" Can you just wrap your heads around the fact that he knows us by heart, ever since we were born? You know. So today, uh, we want to talk to you about two points, just a quick, kind of like a sharing for you guys. So God has a weakness, and one is His faithfulness to provide and protect his never-ending love and grace. Okay, so towards his own children, which is us. So first point, God has a weakness, and that is his faithfulness to provide and to protect. Now, Now try to get the word weakness out of your system by saying weak or feeble or needy or something that's not strong. That's a different context. When I say God has a weakness, you know, it's something much more deeper than that, meaning it's his weak side, it's his soft side. You know. And I, I, sometimes there are sides that I wouldn't know about God because I'm not a father. That's why I asked my dad to share with me. So let me ask you this. How, when my brother was born, because, I mean, I wouldn't know, how, 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 what, what did you feel the moment you held him in your arms?
1: First of all, I was scared I was not in the hospital. Were okay.
0: you playing golf?
2: No, come on.
1: No, 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 no. no. Okay. Uh, I, I was scared. I mean, you know, I, I didn't know what to do to feel because I, I had no idea what it means to be a father. All I, all I wanted to be was to be a, a husband. But when your kuya was born, actually I was scared and I didn't know what to do. All I thought about was how am I going to make, how am I going to take care of this boy? But okay. deep inside, I know I have to care for this boy one way or another. That's how I felt. So,
0: no, it's, it's all right, but it's, it's not what I was looking for. But um, it's okay, it'll do. Um, what I was looking for is, you know how, it, it kind of shows how God is. When you say that God is love, when you say, you know how God shows agape love, which is the unconditional love, the same way I see it when... I would, I would guess, when my dad would, was holding my brother only a few minutes before he was born. Because you, know, you don't know that person. You don't know what he's gonna do. You don't know what he's gonna do in life, what he's gonna achieve, what he's gonna fail. But regardless of the fact that you're holding him in his hands, you almost instantly have this love towards that person. Oh yeah, yeah. That you would do anything. Oh Okay, okay, okay. Not, not anything, but... <laughs> But it's somewhere there, somewhere along the lines. So that's what I, I kind of want to show you guys, it's how God loves. Sometimes we don't even see how much God knows us, but he already loves us to begin with. you know. And the ultimate, I guess, structure, when you see this picture I'm trying to paint is that there is a God who is our Heavenly Father, and there is a human God, which is our parents, and then it's us. See, the original kind of love flows from God, and he shows that love through his children. So our parents get the same idea of how God loves us, and they in turn have this experience of how, or kind of like a lesson that they learn, and then at the same time they impart it on their children. So that same love is carried out from generation to generation, and it's never changing and never ending. You know Psalm 86:15, "But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness." You know, let's keep on going, going. I'm just giving you examples of how the Bible describes him. In Deuteronomy 31:6, "Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified, because of them, for the Lord, your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you." You know, how many? The last line is one of the most famous lines that the Bible Says about at the same time it is a promise, but also it is his weakness because he says he will never leave you nor forsake you. When you say the word "will," it implies a future tense. I shall, I will. You know, but when you say "never," the weight is on that word because we can say, "I'll, I'm never gonna." Do something, but then you can't just say that because some one day you're gonna break it. You know, I'm never gonna sleep late, but that never happens. You know. So when God says I will, it's a future tense by saying this is what I'm gonna do. And he gives you a promise by saying never at the same time. And it's a future promise that only God is able to pull through. You know? So honestly, God still surprises me in so many ways. You know, I think as a parent, my dad is successful in giving me what we need, my my brother, my sister, and me. There was never a complaint of I was hungry, I was cold, I didn't have a shelter. It was always there. But sometimes God also feels that he's so far away. I feel hopeless, I feel depressed, I feel so many things are going on because God is a father and sometimes our fathers and mothers also have that trait. We don't feel that they're there. We don't feel that they're helping us. But the difference is God is God, and our parents are not God. There's an the ultimate divide in what he's saying. So I'm just going to give you an example of how God has been, blessed me, has been blessing me. Um, as you all know, in my story from the first time I shared, the testimony that I gave, I really didn't know what I was going. You know, the, the, the concept of going to Bible school was just not in my picture. And when I told my dad I was crying while he was laughing. So it was it was much more of like I didn't really know what I was doing. And then the cost of the school was just something I couldn't handle. And something happened that I shared to um, Pastor and so on and my accountability with him is that God still never fails to amaze me, to surprise me. You see, I go, I'm starting to go to APU, praise God, woo! But um, the tuition there is really expensive. It's a private school and, and everything. And as soon as I enrolled, my problem was how am I gonna pay for this, you know? But thank God, God provided ways. I mean, you didn't, you didn't give me anything. Um, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, you know, God still finds ways, so bless me, you know, there's like government loans and grants and everything. But to fast forward the story It was 3 days before the deadline for my tuition and I had a deficiency of 6000. And for days I was like, okay, maybe my my grant or my loan would be approved. You know, fast forward to the next day, instead of hearing good news, I heard bad news, saying that the loan was denied. So, it's either, okay, I, ha- I owe $6,000 and I have no idea how I'm gonna pay for that, and I didn't know. So I was starting to panic and panic and panic to a point where I was being distressed, you know. And I didn't know where to get that money. The, the last p- place I wanted to get was, you know, from a bank, which even if I get it on the next day, it won't arrive in a few hours. You know, so I prayed and prayed and prayed that I didn't know what to do. The next day came the deadline, for tuition was five o'clock. It was 12 o'clock. I still didn't have $6,000. So I just, I talked to my mom saying, like, I don't have this money. I don't know if I can go to school this semester. And he's like, well, what my mom said was like, if God is able to put you to this situation, he'll be faithful to finish it. You know, at that time, sometimes it's really hard to believe that, because you are like, it's four hours, you know I mean? (laughs) I can't really say that I believe that, but I can't really say I don't believe that, too, because it's like a contradiction. So God was really just testing me, and I was really bothered, you know. One o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock came, two hours before the deadline. By four o'clock, I got a call. It was my counselor from the school, and he's saying, um... She called me, he's like, I don't know if you got the memo or anything. And then before she even said something, I, I kind of cut her off. He's like, wait, no, I, there's, there's, there's a problem. I have a deficiency of 6,000, I don't have that money. And then he's like, let me check your records. And then I was waiting, I was, I was on the phone holding for about two, two to five minutes, and then she came back and said, like, I don't see any problem here because as of two minutes ago, um, Cal Grant, Deposited $10,000 in your account <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's just amazing from me having um What do you call this? I, you don't have money <laughs> That's all receipts <laughs> From me having a deficiency of 6,000 God provided at the same time gave me a surplus so it's, it's really uplifting because now I don't have to pay for books or anything. I don't have any expenses that I have to come out of pocket. It's all provided for. And it's for a whole year. So what I'm saying is sometimes we don't see God, sometimes we don't hear from Him. But first and foremost, He is a parent, He is a father who provides. Let me see. psalm thirty seven twenty five one of like it's really vivid how if you read the psalms how psalmists portray how they feel in emotion and writing you know psalm thirty seven twenty five I have been young and now i am old yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken his children begging for food you know uh, let's go back to when i say the unconditional love of god agape father's love something that is not given to us only by god it's just it's just there to begin with, you know. God is faithful to his children in everything in regards, like I said, food, shelter, and clothing. And, you know, I never really have any problems with that. I guess what I can say was if I relate back home to my situation, you know, because you, know, you all know my dad was a corporate guy, you know, stern, kind of straight to the point. And stern? Everything. Stern, you know. Handsome, man. I didn't say that.
1: <laughs> yeah, in fact, my executive assistant is here. Oh yeah, to be able to prove it to you, I want to acknowledge her. Okay, Rom and the husband is here. Rom and Abbott, can you please stand up? Yeah. Okay, she can attest how stern I was. Okay,
0: <laughs> she gives a hands up, so it's like thumbs up. That's true. So what I'm saying is. You know, when I was growing up, my dad was a corporate kind of guy. So I would wake up in the morning and he'd be already be gone. You know, and then when I go home, go home from school, it's either he comes home late or late and tired. So there's really no interaction with with me and my dad. But I didn't I wasn't mad because I had food. Like I said, you know, I had I had stuff that I could play with like toys and everything, books, anything I needed was provided for. And if you look at that, isn't it the same way how our relationship with God is? We don't have a connection with our fathers, and yet he still provides, regardless of who we are, regardless of what we do. You know, And it's something that I see in God when I heard that. It's like, wait, how come there's like a big disconnect when saying that God is a father, and yet some people, don't have a relationship with them. And yet they say that God is not hearing them, God is not providing for them. But sometimes they just don't look at the right things. And it's what God provides, you know? And for the longest time, it's like, that's how my relationship with my dad is, like corporate, like I would go to school. And it's only till 2009 when we actually started talking, like actually talking, like it's not just hi, hello, you know? It was something much more, and I guess for my brother and my sister, it, it was there, but for me, it wasn't. So I was really blessed with that, especially making this message. It was, it was kind of like a new feeling because I never had this closeness to my dad, you know. So that as well is a blessing. You know, Luke 12:24. observe and consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouses nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more worth are you than birds? if God is able to feed everything in this world don't you think he can provide for you sometimes the only thing we lack is belief and the conviction to ask because of our pride steps in the way you know God provides for everything how much more because we are his prized possession his masterpiece the one he created to love you know just what else can he not do like Luke twelve seven. why even the hairs of your head and all the number fe- and all numbered fear you you are more valuable than many sparrows you know so sometimes what I realize is like our parents don't know everything about their children everything you know maybe from age one to six they know everything but as soon as they grow older there's this lack of communication that sometimes, you know, the kids don't want to talk to their parents, or it's just space. That's our earthly parents, but God never even has that. Before we even ask, before we even do something, he already knows what we're going to ask. He already knows what our heart wants. And he, if he is able to know that, what makes you think it's going to be hard for him to hear us? Sometimes we're so ashamed, like, like God, I just want this but I don't know how to ask for it in, in such a right way. But even before you have that desire, he already knows it. You know, it's only a matter of you finding the right way, finding the right thing to say it, the right thing to do to please him. You know, it's not, it's, I mean, I'm not saying that if you ask for it, God's going to give it. Of course, a relationship entails both ways. You know, Seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So many things, so many promises that has to coincide with what God wants to give and what you have to do. You know, God, doesn't, God isn't just a cosmic vending machine that you can just go up there and like, I want this and this and this. You know, it doesn't work like that. Are you done? Yeah, for now.
1: Okay. You know, first point, God is a witness. God is faithful. He's faithful to provide and to protect. That's exactly what um, Dion has shared with us and you know this morning I'd like to talk about the faithfulness of God biblically from the Bible but before that I would like to share a story about this earthquake some of you heard this before but I'd like to illustrate I'd like to share with you this story to be able to point out to you how faithful what faithfulness means through faithfulness in the country of Armenia in 1988 Samuel and Danielle Danielle sent their young son Armand off to school. Samuel squatted before his son and looked him in the eye and said, have a good day at school. And remember, no matter what, I'll always be there for you. They hugged and the boy ran off to school. Hours later, a powerful earthquake rocked the area. In the midst of the pandemonium, Samuel and Danielle tried to discover what happened to their son but they couldn't get any information. The radio announced that there were thousands of casualties. Samuel then grabbed his coat headed for the schoolyard. When he reached the area, what he saw brought tears to his eyes. Armand's school was a pile of debris. Other parents were standing around crying. Samuel found the place where Armand's classroom used to be and began pulling a broken beam off the pile of rubble. He then grabbed a rock, put it to the side, Then grabbed another one. One of the parents looking on asked, What are you doing? Digging for my son, Samuel answered. The man said, You're just going to make things worse. The building is unstable. He tried to pull Samuel away from his work. Samuel set his jaw and kept working. As time wore on, one by one, the other parents left. Then a firefighter tried to pull Samuel away from the rubble. Samuel looked at him and said, won't you help me? The firefighter left and Samuel kept digging. All through the night and into the next day. Samuel continued digging. Parents placed flowers and pictures of their children on the ruins. But Samuel just kept working. He picked up a beam and pushed it out of the way when he heard a faint cry. Help, help. Samuel listened but did not hear anything again. Then he heard a muffled voice. Papa, Samuel began to dig furiously. Finally, he could see his son. Come on out, son, he said with a relief. No, Armand said, let the other kids come out first because I know you will get me. Child after child emerged until finally, little Armand appeared. Samuel took him in his arms and Armand said, I told the other kids not to worry because you told me that you'd always be there for me. 14 children were saved that day because of one father who was faithful. Folks, if if earthly father can be like that, what more, or how more faithful is our heavenly father? Whether you're trapped in a fallen debris, ensnared by the hardships of life or struggles, whatever you're facing right now, your heavenly father will be there for you. That's faithfulness. Faithfulness defined. Let me get here before he pushes me out again. Okay. (laughs) It says, God's faithfulness means that everything he says and does is certain. He is 100% reliable, 100% of the time. He does not fall. He does not fail. He does not forget. He doesn't falter. He doesn't change or disappoint. He says what he means and means what he says. That's our God. And therefore, everything he says, he will do. Amen? Amen. You know, everything he says, he will do. And I know he did the same thing for a brother. And my brother, I have a brother here today. His name is Dr. Medwin, who is going to testify. Because you cannot have a testimony without a test. And you can see how faithful God is. Brother Medwin, come up here.
2: Good morning. Good morning, I am Dr. Medwin Millian, <clears throat> one of those who made a public declaration of my faith in Jesus Christ last January, January, uh, July 21st on our baptism Sunday. I noticed that the sequence started with more, more elderly people than young people. <laughs> then it ended with me, another older person. Pastor Nsong told me that it was an intentional sequence, taking the constant reminder of our church leader to be more purposeful in our activities so that we can share the gospel. My family and I decided to do do just that. On July 13th of this year, we had a celebration at our home which allowed us to invite our friends and loved ones so that they can enjoy some good food and listen to God's word preached. And this is what I shared with them. Matthew 18.20 states that when two or three are gathered in my name, I am with them. And then I continue. Thank you very much for being with us this afternoon. In behalf of the Millian family, in our bigger family, our church Christ Commission Fellowship, we welcome you and share the love of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We are here this afternoon for occasions which I hold very dear in my life. First is the celebration of our 50th, of the celebration of the 50th birthday of my one and only wife. If I may tell you a short story, we were classmates back in kindergarten We were seatmates in first grade. And somehow according to her during that time she suddenly felt Medwin Millian is going to be my husband someday. Batapan. That was back in first grade. She transferred to another to a different school, and it was already in high school when we meet again. By God's grace, we found each other very interesting, shared the love of Christ, shared the love that Christ offers, and though our married life may not be perfect, through his teachings, we are able to meet each other's shortcomings. My wife, like my parents, played an instrumental role in molding my character. The more recent one involved my youngest, Micah Dominic. In case you want to know the nomenclature, Micah is a gift from God and Dominic of the Lord. Mickey, as we call her, had an accident on June 21st, one day after my mother's birthday. We almost lost her. She almost drowned in the school swimming pool during a swimming party. I was eating lunch at home, just arrived from my usual errands, when the phone rang. My, daughter, my other daughter, Stephanie, said, Dad, go to the school, it's Mickey. I know that pickup time is about 1.30, and it was only a few minutes before 12. I asked her, do I have time to finish my food? And she said, no, go now. I know something bad has happened. In my mind, I told myself, Lord, Miki is yours. She is not mine. If you still entrust this sweet little girl to us, thank you. However, if you have a different plan for her, thank you very much for the memory. Thank you very much for giving us a daughter who never fails to kiss us or wave goodbye every morning when we leave for work. I calmly drove toward the the school and saw her being loaded into the ambulance. I introduced myself to the EMTs, however, they wouldn't let me go near her. I even had to tell them that I used to practice medicine in the Philippines, and that was the only time when they let me board the ambulance. I saw Mickey, dark and dazed and breathing on her own still uninformed of the details of what just happened. I touched Miki's hand and she opened her eyes. I then, out of instinct, asked her how many fingers she sees. Next, I asked her who I am, which she was able to answer. I then thought, she's okay. When we recreated the scene, after a few weeks, as relayed by one of the lifeguards, she was probably in cardiorespiratory arrest for about two minutes. It was in the hospital when I saw the extent of the damage, when I saw the x-ray. Her lungs are very congested. Doctors are unsure if she needs to be intubated and hooked to a ventilator or remain hooked to a BiPAP. She remained in this condition for almost two days. It was almost from the start that we emailed relatives and brothers and sisters in Christ for much needed prayers. Indeed, God is good. He once again proved his presence, that he is always with us. We even came to know later on, when we met the lifeguards, that they were themselves brothers in Christ. Truly, Only God can orchestrate such events and people. The night before she was declared out of danger, one of the pastors visited us, Pastor Reggie, in the hospital and shared this passage from the Bible. Since I started with a verse, if you will allow me, with the end, with some more verses. It was Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He he who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will never slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. After I shared this testimony with our guests, Pastor Instone Stone stood up and preached the good news to them. One of our close friends even made positive comments on the whole thing. In the past, that's the end of the uh, testimony. In the past, I worry a lot. If it was still the old me in control, I could have shouted at everybody, blaming them for what had happened. If only, if only, if only I. As if I have got total control of everything, it's all about myself. Putting my trust in the Lord and practicing it in my daily life really made a difference. Being a medical practitioner, I understand what it means when the Bible says that our God is the ultimate healer who is just waiting for us to call his name and have a personal relationship with him so he can make our life be fruitful. I'm so excited to tell you now, my brothers and sisters, that there is now a weekly Bible group in the Riverside Corona area. In addition to my weekly celebrations here in church, joining a small group for me is added spiritual healing. I needed all these years. I think about it as a midweek recharge, adding vigor and strength, filling me up with his teachings day by day. Coming from a dystrophic state, I surrendered my life to him and I am certain that with my personal relationship with him and the help of my brothers and sisters in Christ, in due time, I can say that my spiritual life life will be a healthy or stable one. I have learned that there is no overdose when it comes to being a true follower in Christ, which produces the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5.22, being filled with the fruits mean that there is no law against anyone. Now I try to live a life controlled by the Holy Spirit and have learned to put all my trust in him and mindful of whatever may come. My God will never forsake me. I will remain for the rest of my life eagerly awaiting for the time when I can confidently say I have fought a good fight, I have finished the race and remained faithful and now the prize awaits me. The crown of his righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. Everything to his glory. See.
1: God does not and will not fail to protect his children. Yes? Why? You know, I came to the conclusion that the reason why he will not fail to provide and protect his children is because he has a plan for you and me. He wants to bring you to his promised land. You know, and right now, God knows where he wants to bring you. And he will not fail you because he has a purpose for you. Just like an earthly father, when you see your son, oh this son is very handsome, he can sing. You better be an actor, singer, okay? Oh this son, he is very philosophic. He is philosophical, in other words, okay? You, you be a lawyer, okay? Oh this son, very short, cannot sing. You be a pastor, okay? God knows exactly what his plans are for you. And because he knows his plans for you, he will see to it that this will happen. Amen?
0: Amen. All right. Dion? So, how many more examples do we need to believe that God is faithful? You know? Sometimes it's just all out there that we just choose not to believe. It's on us when we say that God is not faithful. You know? So, continuing on, our second point is one of the. I would say the heaviest part of this message for me is his never-ending love and grace. You know, as we go on, we go back to the to the main verses, Lamentations. Um, I think it's a great idea that my dad explain the concept or behind the background of this message. Oh, yeah,
1: sure. Um, you know, Lamentation was written by who? Jeremiah. He's called the weeping prophet. You know, Lamentation. It comes from the word lament. Okay. He was like he was like sad. He was like mourning, you know? And the background is that uh, Jeremiah was calling the Israelites to repentance because he saw, and God told him, that he was gonna judge Israel and Judah and destroy Jerusalem, and his heart was bleeding, was in pain because because of what's gonna happen. And then eventually, of course, Jerusalem was judged. Jerusalem was leveled, and here you see him crying weeping because it seemed to him that God has forsaken them God is even against them personally and that's why he was crying he was crying and was hurting and that's the background of this story God judges you when you sin but he doesn't leave you he is faithful to restore you and make sure it happens if you repent that is the context and the background of lamentation
0: okay Dion? Yeah. So when it says like you know the first one, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. My dad told me that this, when you when you say this, is what it talks about is the grace of God. Is that correct? Yeah. So continuing on, we go back to the first. We love because He first loved us. What I'm trying to say is, the love of God is a part of grace. You can't you can't separate God's love with grace because grace is of love, and we all know that God is love. He is the origin of love. Therefore, it is embedded in his own system that he is gracious, you know. In the dictionary, it says that grace is the free unmarried favor of God, as a manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. Now, I've always had a hard time understanding what grace was, because I mean, I grew up in an all-boys school, that the system everyone worked with is a favor system. So if you do something for someone, you, they owe you. There was never something that's given for free. That's how teachers taught us, that's how everything was. So I never really understood when God says like, grace, salvation is grace. It's something I, I never really understood when I was a kid. Even up to now, it still kind of you know, bothers me at times, not, not in a bad way, but gets me thinking. So I wanna ask you, is like, what, what, what's your definition of grace? my wife uh. grace other than that
1: come on okay can i go deeper you go i can't
0: okay i guess since you don't want to answer that but anyway um my definition of grace is something very personal i mean it was just recently that i i figured out what it really meant and it was hard the, i learned it the hard way you know i wish i just learned it in the like scripture what what it says you know, if most of you all know, I have a very nice record in driving. I have two cars totaled under my belt, and it both of them were not my my fault. I just really have a bad timing. You're right. You're right. Bad no, it wasn't my fault. It was like okay, okay, rear ended okay. twice. But anyway, my very first car total. I was in um, my first year in college. I, I you know it was my first car. I had I, w- I was grown to, used to it. So if I lost it I didn't know what I was going to use so when I, when I had that accident you know the first one the first person I called to is my sister and she 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 even when I when I called her she was like what do you want I'm like I <laughs> just got into an accident and then then it kind of changed from there and then she said to call my dad but then when she said that I kind I kind of hesitated like I, do I need to tell him he'll just see it when I hear when when, when I'm here probably just leave the car in the driveway and hide you know it's like oh yeah, that wasn't me you know but in in the back of my head i was like what am i going to say to my dad you know he's going to get mad he's going to get furious with me doing this cuz obviously even if it was my fault the fact that i told my car it's still my fault you know cuz i wasn't he's going to be like why were you not paying attention Blah 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 yeah you know, any any parent would say it. so this whole time on the drive home with a total car that was like just smoking and i was driving like 15 miles on the side streets. I could care less about myself if I had like any injuries or anything, but the main concern that I had was what is my dad going to say? He's going to get mad and blah, 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 blah. You know. So I got home, moment of truth. Put the key in, walk inside. My dad's sitting there with his swivel chair. As soon as the door opens, he turns around. And I'm like, okay, this is not going to start or end well, but when he turned around, he stood up saying, are you hurt? And I said, no, I'm not. And then I was like, just waiting. He's like, okay, anytime now. I kind of was like covering myself, you know, but it never came up. Instead, after he said if I was hurt, he asked me if I had dinner. And he said, no, I, I said like, I know no, not really. And then he said like, do you want to eat? He's like, okay, I guess he's trying to fatting me up first and then kind of like <laughs> getting me in trouble. So the whole dinner, I didn't really enjoy my meal because I was just consistently eating and thinking, this is my last meal, this is my last meal. You know? And the whole time, I was just wrestling with the fact that what, what am I going to do? So we got home and still no talk. The car, the, the ride back home was quiet. You know, I was just waiting for it. Like I just wanted to end. you know. But as soon as we got home, we were in the kitchen and he said like, what are you gonna use to go to school tomorrow? And I said, I don't know, I'll probably just ride with my sister in the morning or find a way. And then he looked down and said, no, just take my car. So he gave me the keys and left. And I was there with a key of his car, you know, something I didn't deserve to begin with. I totaled my car, he gave me dinner that I didn't deserve. And he gave me a car for me to use. You know, that, that, that instant, I understood what grace meant. Because it's something that we don't deserve to begin with, and there's no way, in fact, that we can repay something. I mean, I can't pay for a car. You know, I, barely, I could barely feed myself. You know, so how, what made my dad say, that here, here's the keys, take it, you know, I'll find a way to go around. If he was concerned with my well-being first, before his own, you know? And in that concept, I saw how God works when he gave his son. We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve anything. Yet he gives it freely, abundantly, you know, never ceases, and it's always new, you know? So grace is something you can't measure. You can't put a finger on unless you know it affects you personally, you know? I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys have your own definitions of instances where God is graceful, but I just wanted to share that that's how I came to the conclusion that's how God is. It took me 17 years to figure that out, and a lost car, you know, but I think it was worth it. You know, my whole perspective on how God completely changed.
1: You know? No, actually I was buying a new car after that week, that's why I gave it to you.
0: Oh, But then a year after that, I told her that one too.
1: <laughs> no, I, 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 I was just kidding, actually, you know a father a father is like that and i'm sure you fathers would do the same thing and grace is unmerited favor of god as manifested in the salvation of sinners and bestowal of blessings you know many parents do the same thing and i am not an exception i think you know what i'm talking about here you know In the same way, in the same way, Jesus, God, gives us grace for a reason. Why does he give us grace? Why does he give us a favor that we don't deserve? You know, I discovered that there is a reason why God gives you grace. And I hope that before you leave, you will understand why grace is given to us. And by that understanding, our lives will change. You know, you're, you're familiar with the story of this adulterous woman, okay, uh, you know, who, who was caught by the Pharisees and they brought him to Jesus. For what reason? So that Jesus, you know, can render judgment and possibly even stone her to death, right? But you know the story, right? This woman was brought to by the Pharisees to him and then he just started writing down on the ground and then he said, you know, He who has no sin cast the first stone. And we know the story. One by one, they all left, right? You know, he was probably writing there the names of the Pharisees and their sins, right, June? You know, and you know, he was writing the names of the Pharisees who committed adultery too. And that's why they started, you know, that was just a guess. But you know, all of the people convicting this woman wanted Jesus to throw the stone at the woman. They all left. And in John 8, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on. Sin no more. You know, I discovered, and I want you to discover this too. The reason why God gives us grace is to restore us. He gives us what we don't deserve because he wants us to change. And he wants us to be the kind of people that we ought to be, to restore us, to bring us back to where we were so that we can go to the promised land that he promised us. That's grace. And you know, the same thing is true for Peter. You know the story. How many times did this guy blow it? He denied Christ three times. He was bragging that he was not going to leave Jesus. He was going to fight for Jesus. He was going to die for Jesus. But what happened? We know the story. He was denied. He denied Jesus three times, right? You know, when Jesus resurrected, Peter had it. He said, I'm done. I'm not going to be a disciple anymore. I'm just going to go fishing, and I'm just going to move on in my life. But you know, that's not the plan of Jesus. Jesus went to him after he resurrected on the shore while he was fishing. And then what did he do? What did he do? You would expect that Jesus would confront Peter and say, huh? you, know, you denied me three times. You know, he didn't do that. You know what he said? So, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than this? Wow. He didn't say, Why did you do that? What, what, what was he asking? Do you love me? In fact, The Greek says, do you agape me? Do you love me sacrificially and unconditionally? And you know what he said to him? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. The word he used is not agape. The word he used is phileo. You know why? Because I think Peter learned his lesson. He was bragging that he was going to sacrifice for Jesus. But he failed. Now he's talking about a different kind of love. Lord, I cannot be as sacrificial as you want me to but I can love you as a brother. And then Jesus said to him again, second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me? You know, He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you, I love you. He said, shepherd my sheep. He didn't say, you know, quit. He said, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me? Peter said, Peter was grieved because he said to him, the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. I feel you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. What was, what was Jesus trying to do here? He was extending grace, right? He deserved what? Condemnation. He deserved to be, I guess, fired as a disciple. You know, but Jesus did not do that. In fact, he gave him the highest responsibility of leading the church. The first century church at the very least. And then he said, you know, do you love me? If you love me, take care of my people. He gives us grace to restore us. He gives us grace to move on, to pursue the purpose for which he has planned for us. That's what you call grace. And you know, in Titus 2, 11 to 15, Pastor In Song shared this with us. It says, for the grace of God, that's the subject, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. W- what is the purpose of grace? You know, Titus is saying, hey, the grace of God was given to you and it has saved you it has made you part of the family. For what reason? Look at verse 12. To teach you to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. What does that mean? To restore you guys. To, 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 to put you in this direction headed to sin. To turn around and say no to sin and to repent. That's why the grace of God is given. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. That's awesome, isn't it? The reason why the grace of God is given to us is for a reason that we need to be restored. Guys, do you need restoration? Say it loud. Do you need restoration? We need the grace of God. We need the grace of God. And you know what happened? He gave himself for us to redeem all wickedness, to purify for himself a people of his very own, eager to do what is good. God has a purpose for us. He wants us to be the kind of people that will be restored. The kind of people that will make an impact into this world. So, the point I'm trying to make is this. The point that Dion and I are trying to make is this. God has a weakness. It's not what you think. It's a weakness, yes. But it is our strength and our hope. Amen? Because of the weakness, his faithfulness. That's weakness. He's so faithful, he cannot say no to you. He's so gracious, he cannot give you the things that are good to you even if you don't deserve it. He gives it just the same. For what reason? So that you will have strength and you will have hope. Wow, you know, I'd like to ask you this question today. You feel God is mad at you because you did something wrong? You feel like you're in the dark right now because nothing seems to be happening with your life? You feel like Jeremiah, actually. This is what Jeremiah was feeling when he was watching and looking at the destruction of Jerusalem. You feel like God is against you? You know, Jeremiah actually felt this. God, why are you destroying us? You know, God has a purpose. He's actually going to make you go to a point where you feel like God is destroying you for a reason. Are you in that situation today, folks? You have mental and physical pain like I do. You know, my arthritis is killing me almost every day. You know, June, the parents of Tinette are here, okay, by the way, and um, you know, I play golf with him, and I thought he was only 45, because he drives the ball so long, and he's very strong. He's actually 70 already, okay? And here I am, at 42, (laughs) live. And I have all the pain and the physical and the mental pain. Okay? I, I hope you can relate to what I'm feeling right now. You cannot find rest and release. Is this what you're feeling right now? Your prayers are not being answered and you've been asking God for so many things that you know are good. Are you feeling, are you, are you in this situation right now? People do not understand you. you. You want only to do good, to do what's right, but people do not understand you and you're about ready to give up. Is this where you are today, folks? You feel like your hope is gone? I'd like to share with you some good news. As Jerusalem was destroyed because of sin, I would like to tell you that the reason why you are in a situation where you are today, look at me, it's probably because we are in sin, and we're not repenting. You cannot hide it from God. Many times, what we feel today are consequences of our bad decisions and sin. And my prayer for us is if we want God to restore us, and God's grace will be there flowing, by the way, it will come. But please don't miss the point. The reason why God is forgiving us and giving us the grace that we don't deserve The reason why he wants to rebuild us and to restore us is because he has a plan for us. And he's not going to do that until we repent. Grace requires that we repent. And when we repent, God will heal us and God will restore us. What did Jeremiah do? When he was feeling despair, when he was feeling lost, you know what he said? But this... What's this? The weakness of God, he said. The grace of God, he said. The faithfulness of God, he said. I will call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. And then, he makes it specific. What is this? Verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, guys in spite of our faults, in spite of our unfaithfulness. And God is calling you right now. He wants to be faithful to you. He wants to love you. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you unmerited favor. All because his mercies are new every morning and it will come. And that's why he said in verse 24, the Lord is my portion, my soul. Therefore, I will hope. I will have hope in him. Guys, what happens when you call to mind God's faithfulness and grace? Think about how faithful God has been to you. And if you call that to mind, every time you are in, 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 in pain, every time you are lost and in the dark, Jeremiah is telling us and reminding us, remember, call to mind God's faithfulness and grace. You know what happens? You will have a mind change. You will have a mind change and an attitude shift for realizing this that without God without his grace and faithfulness your situation could have been worse right folks it is worse without the hand of God holding you you know every time you're in a situation and you remember God's faithfulness you know it will help you a lot to say you know what can you imagine if God is not with me right now my situation can be worse and you know what that will make you feel better and then that you are better off than others who do not have Jesus in their lives without a hope and without a future, right? Have a a mindset and have a change. So God has a weakness and God has a weakness and it is our witness and story to a hopeless and dying world. Weakness, but it becomes our asset. Weakness but becomes it becomes our strength. Dion, you still have something to say, right?
0: I think just one more. One more,
1: okay. Dion would like to uh, wrap this up and say, in 1 John four nineteen, we love because he first loved us.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to wrap this up by saying that love is of God, you know, and I try to emphasize as much points I have that we see God in so many ways. And the most evident of ways we can see is how he is much of a parent. A mother, a father, a caring one. And we say that because all points we see of God always goes back to how he loves us first. Before everything we saw, before we were born, you even think about what he thought of us. Because he loved us, he made us. And that's what I'm trying to get. Because, he, it, because love came from God, he is God. Yeah,
1: yeah so... We love first. We love because he first loved us. And I would like to paraphrase this and end. We love, meaning we obey and sin no more because he first loved us. The reason why God has a weakness is because he wants us to love him back. And loving him back can be summed up in obedience and sinning no more. What happens when we obey? and sin no more? Imagine it. What happens when we obey and sin no more? Will you have a better life, you think? Will you have better families, better relationships, you think? You know I discovered what happens when we obey and sin no more? Here is what I discovered. We will be witnesses. We will have stories of a promised land of victory, hope, and blessings to a hopeless and lost world. And that, my friend, is what CCFLA is all about. Stories of changed lives that will make an impact in the life of the people that you are with. Stories of promised land, because our God has a weakness, and it is our strength. Our prayer, both Dion and I, Is that we will love him, obey him, and sin no more. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you that in spite of your greatness, in spite of your bigness, in spite of your awesomeness, Lord, we see the human side of you that you have a weakness for us. And that weakness is you cannot say no to your children in caring for them and providing for them and loving them and giving them what they don't deserve because you have a purpose for them and a plan for them, Lord. And we beg you, Father, right now, open the eyes of our hearts. Help us to see, Lord. As, as, as parents, help us to see that we have an impact in our children. And I pray for the parents here right now, O oh God. We, we, will, we will see you so that we can become like you when it comes to our children. Because, Lord, the only chance that our children will see you is if we become faithful parents, gracious and loving parents to our children. And when we do that, Lord, I pray that they will be restored, our children. I pray, Lord, that they will love us as parents to obey us and honor us. And I pray, Father, that you work in each and every one of us. And I pray for the children as well who are here right now. I pray, oh God, that you just move in their hearts right now. Move in their hearts, oh God, to see that their parents love them unconditionally, care for them, and will give anything for them because they want only the goodness in their lives. Father, help them see that there is a promised land for them. As parents want their kids to to attain something and become significant in their lives, Lord, that's what we want for them, and that's the reason why we want to give them the kind of love and grace that they don't deserve, but we do give just the same. And I pray, Father, that as they understand the grace, they will say no to whatever wrong things that they're doing, to repent, to obey, and seek after you. Father, thank you for your example of faithfulness and grace. For without it, we will never, never fully understand what it means to love you back. So, Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for Dion. Thank you for the example of Medwin and his testimony. Lord, thank you for all the changed lives happening here in CCFLA. And I pray, Lord, that you bless this movement. The movement of people who obey you and sin no more. A movement that will be a promise of hope to a dying and hopeless world. For this is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen Amen. and amen.